0: This is the Talk of Iowa Book Club. I'm Charity Nebbe. We've been reading The Hate You Give by Angie Thomas. It's a young adult novel published in 2017. It became a New York Times number one bestseller and a major motion picture. It is also one of the most challenged or banned books in the United States, including right here in Iowa. The book tells the story of Star Carter. She is 16 years old, a good student, and an excellent basketball player. She lives in Garden Heights, a rough neighborhood plagued by gang violence, and her parents send her and her brothers to a private school in the suburbs where they are some of the only black students. At the beginning of the novel, it's spring break, and Starr is reconnecting with some of her neighborhood friends at a party. When violence breaks out at the party, she leaves with her friend Khalil, They were inseparable when they were younger, but have drifted apart. Khalil offers to drive her home, and even though he wasn't speeding, he's pulled over by a police officer and ends up being shot and killed by that officer. It's a story that could be taken directly from far too many headlines. Here's an excerpt from the book just after Khalil has been killed. They leave Khalil's body in the street like it's an exhibit.
1: Police cars and ambulances flash all along Carnation Street. People stand off to the side, trying to see what happened. Bruh, some guy says. They killed him. The police tell the crowd to leave. Nobody listens. The paramedics can't do anything for Khalil, so they put me in the back of an ambulance like I need help. The bright lights spotlight me, and people crane their necks to get a peek. I don't feel special. I feel sick. The cops rummage through Khalil's car. I try to tell them to stop. Please, cover his body. Please, close his eyes. Please, close his mouth. Get away from his car. Don't pick up his hairbrush. But the words never come out. 115 sits on the sidewalk with his face buried in his hands. Other officers pat his shoulder and tell him it'll be okay. They finally put a sheet over Khalil. He can't breathe under it. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. I gasp and gasp and gasp. Star? Brown eyes with long eyelashes appear in front of me. They're like mine. I couldn't say much to the cops, but I did manage to give them my parents' names and phone numbers. Hey, Daddy says. Come on, let's go. I open my mouth to respond. A sob comes out. Daddy is moved aside, and Mama wraps her arms around me. She rubs my back and speaks in hushed tones that tell lies. It's all right, baby. It's all right. We stay this way for a long time, Eventually, Daddy helps us out the ambulance. He wraps his arm around me like a shield against curious eyes and guides me to his Tahoe down the street. He drives. A streetlight flashes across his face, revealing how tight his jaw is set. His veins bulge along his bald head. Mama's wearing her scrubs, the ones with the rubber ducks on them. She did an extra shift at the emergency room tonight. She wipes her eyes a few times, probably thinking about Khalil or how that could have been me lying
0: in the street. An excerpt from The Hate You Give by Angie Thomas, read by Jane Abraham, one of our expert readers, who I will introduce in just a few minutes. The rest of the book follows Starr as she tries to cope with the loss of her friend, with the trauma of witnessing his death, navigating her complicated life, and finding her voice as an activist. The book is Angie Thomas' debut novel. She was working as a secretary at a church in Jackson, Mississippi when she wrote it and miraculously found her agent through Twitter. The book was inspired by real life and by the Black Lives Matter movement. It has sold millions of copies, and we're going to dive into this book with three expert readers. Caleb Rainey is here. He is a poet, spoken word artist, educator, and activist. He's published two collections of poetry, Look, Black Boy, and Heart Notes. He writes and performs as the Negro artist, and he is the founder and program director for IC Speaks, a high school spoken word program in Iowa City. Caleb, hello. Hello. Hi. Thank you so, so happy to be here. Well, thank you so much for being here. And you first read this book in 2020, shortly after the murder of George Floyd. Tell me what drew you to this book in that moment.
2: Um, it was my step back into art as activism. Um, as a writer, I'm constantly performing and writing pieces about Uh, Black liberation, but when George Floyd was murdered, I kind of lost that fire, I needed a moment to mourn. And uh, The Hate You Give ended up being a book that kind of eased me back into having hope that literature, writing, uh, words can actually change things. Uh, Because as I stepped into the book, I realized, like, yes, it is having the conversations um, and making it accessible for people to really wrap their heads around things that are plaguing me along with my community.
0: So when you read the book, I mean, it was at such a, a fraught moment. And I can imagine that there was a lot of pain involved in, in diving into this story. But what struck you about it that that made you think this is a book we really need and people need to read it? It's
2: the humanity of it, right? Every, almost every character gets so much uh, depth and like tenderness and more than one side and by doing so it really deepens the whole conversation and has that conversation about uh, police brutality and code switching and all these things that we we know we need to be talking about and we need to have that conversation like we're talking about real people and this felt very real
0: I want to bring Sherita Stokes into the conversation as well. Sherita Stokes has been a teacher in the Waterloo Community School District for 22 years. She is also the co-founder and curriculum director for the 1619 Freedom School and After School Literacy Program in Waterloo. Sherita, hello. Hello. Thank you so much for being here today. And uh, this is a book that had been sitting on your shelf for quite a while, right? Was there was there something that maybe prevented you from picking it up before I gave you a call and said, Sharita, would you please read this book with us?
3: Um, just being a teacher and educator and um, leading the after-school program, yeah. which we were searching for books, so I have a huge stack of books and so many good books and literature that I want to read and just sometimes work and time doesn't get that, so... Sometimes I have to have that little extra push as much as I love reading. So when you called like, hey, I'm like, yeah, I didn't ever finish that book completely. Perfect <laughs> time for me to read it and watch the movie all at once.
0: Oh, well, I'm so <laughs> grateful that, that you did read it with us. Tell me about your reaction to the book.
3: I thought it was excellent. I thought it was very well written. I thought the characters were just... Like, sometimes you read a book and the characters are just, like, right there. You could visualize everything that you're reading in the story. The characters were real. I could relate to the characters. I can think about experiences of people that I know that could relate to the characters. I just thought overall it was just a really good read. I'm not surprised it's on the ban list. It shouldn't be because everyone does need to read this book, just to get that opportunity to feel from the character's perspective how it does feel to be in that type of situation.
0: Knowing what it was about. I mean, everybody knows what it's about before they, they pick up the book. So you know what's coming. Did that feel difficult to, to dive into, Sharita?
3: Um, it's always hard to talk about um, this type of subject just because it's so still blatant in America you would think in this time and age it wouldn't be so much because people know about it it's been drawn attention to but it's still just kind of heart-wrenching every time you have to read or see or hear a story of a young black male being killed by the police whether it's in real life or fiction it's still kind of a gut punch
0: yeah Our third expert reader with us today is Jane Abraham. She recently graduated from Pleasant Valley High School, where she was an award-winning student journalist and editor-in-chief of the school paper. She is doing an internship with the Quad City Times this summer and is headed to Stanford in the fall. Jane, welcome. Thank you. Good to be here. And this was your second time reading the book. So take us back to the first time. You read it shortly after it came out.
1: Yes, um, the first time I read this book was when I was in eighth grade, and I finished it in one weekend. Um, I really, really loved this book, um, but I think when I was in eighth grade, there was, you know, a, a bit more of a sense of detachment at the time. It was an enthralling story, but I, I didn't feel like I could maybe relate to it as much as maybe I can now. And, you know, today I, I can't say that I've been affected by police brutality and gun violence in the same way that Star has. But I certainly relate to that obligation to speak up and and do what's right for your community, um, even even when it is difficult to be brave.
0: Well, and you you've been through a lot in the last five years because you've grown up. So Mm -hmm, you went from from being an eighth grader to a high school graduate. But we have also seen so much in this country. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you read this book, it was published before George Floyd's Mm -hmm. death, and you read it then, and then you read it again now. And as a student journalist, going through George Floyd's murder and the Black Lives Matter resurgence that, Mm -hmm. that followed, tell me a little bit about how that changed you yeah I think
1: kind of going back to what I was saying about this idea of obligation and speaking up um I think you know when I was in eighth grade like I said this this story was interesting to me and I knew that it was real um but it maybe didn't feel as real in my own in my own life um but I think as I have kind of gotten into journalism and found my passion as I've gotten older. Um, for social justice and and black issues um i think that this obligation to speak up and and this you know exigence of of doing and saying something in the moment even when it is difficult is is so much more relatable to be to me now um and just you know occupying occupying that role as as a black individual as a black young person um similarly to how started is is very
0: relatable. We're going to take a short break. We'll be back in just a moment and we will talk about the characters in this book. We'll explore the plot a little bit further and then we'll also dive into the themes of this book. With me, Jane Abraham, a recent high school graduate from Pleasant Valley High School, Caleb Rainey, a poet, spoken word artist, educator and activist, and Sharita Stokes, who is co-founder and curriculum director for the 1619 Freedom School in Waterloo. And the title of this book, was inspired by uh, Tupac Shakur, and we're going to go out here with a little bit of Tupac. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. This is the Talk of Iowa Book Club from IPR News. I'm Charity Nebbe. We have been reading The Hate You Give by Angie Thomas. It was published in 2017, became a New York Times number one bestseller, and it is also one of the most challenged or banned books in the United States. The book tells the story of Star Carter. She is 16 years old a black girl with a bright future who lives in a bad neighborhood. She witnesses the death of one of her best friends at the hands of the police, and it changes her life dramatically. It is a story that could be pulled directly from the headlines, and it was inspired by the Black Lives Matter movement and, of course, real life as well. With me to talk about this book, Caleb Rainey. He's a poet, spoken word artist, educator, and activist. He writes and performs as the Negro artist. Sherita Stokes, a teacher in the Waterloo Community School District and co-founder and curriculum director for the 1619 Freedom School. And Jane Abraham, who recently graduated from Pleasant Valley High School and is doing an internship with the Quad City Times this summer. She's headed to Stanford in the fall. And I, I want to dive into the characters in the book now, Um, because as I think Caleb said just a few minutes ago, Every one of the characters is developed in such a nuanced way and there's so much we can learn from each one of the characters in the book. And and I will say this is a book that I learned a whole lot from, but it's also a great read. It is it is not a, a book that that <laughs> you know feels overly preachy or pedantic. It's also just really incredible literature. But let's start with talking about Star. Of course, she's at the center of the book. And Jane, I'll I'll let you go first. You know, Star is sixteen years old. She's going to a private school. Her parents have decided that they they want her to go to a school outside of the neighborhood, and that puts her in a really funny position because there she is living in two completely different worlds. Tell me what you thought about Star. Yeah,
1: um, definitely. As a young black girl, um, I can relate to Star in a lot of ways, but you know, we we still do have. Different experiences. Um, Star is American, and um, I'm from Canada, and I come from a family of immigrants. And I am mixed, but my experience is completely different in the sense that I don't have the that generational trauma, um, and I haven't had you know the Black American experience in the same way that her and her family have. But that being said, I do think that there are a lot of ways that I can relate to Star um, Something that I thought was interesting is um, throughout the book, it's mentioned that Star posts on Tumblr about um, Emmett Till and, you know, other black figures. And, um, you know, she she does that with ease. But then, you know, when it comes to Khalil and something that hits so close to home, she finds it difficult to speak up. And I think that that's something that I have certainly related to. I think it's easy to speak about things that you are detached from and, you know essentially unaffected by directly. Um, But, you know, when when things have happened in my school or, you know, just in, in my own community, I found that to be the most difficult to speak up about. For sure.
0: Interesting. Well, and uh, one of the things that, that makes this book special, and it was part of what inspired Angie Thomas to write the book, is because there is a real lack of books in in literature mm-hmm. that feature black girls as the protagonist. Uh-huh. And so that that was one of the things that she wanted to do. And Star is an incredible protagonist. Yes. And Sharita, um, uh, I know uh, thinking back to your childhood, you lit grew up in Waterloo, Iowa, and you were one of the kids that was bused out of your neighborhood to predominantly white schools, which is kind of what's happening to Star, although in a in a I guess a 21st century uh, mode. did that resonate with you?
3: It did. Um, it just reminded me of kind of growing up in two lifestyles where I lived with my mother, who did live in low-income housing at the time, and we received government assistance. She was going to school and working, and my dad owned a business and lived in a condo. <laughs> so during the weekday, I was star at home in her neighborhood, and on the weekends, I was star at her private school because then I was at on a different side of town and then going to West High as opposed to East High um, in Waterloo, where because I was in advanced classes and different things like that, the majority of my classmates were all white and I was just there. So, yes, I could actually relate to her. Right.
0: Well, and of course, it's a, a couple decades later that Star is mm-hmm. experiencing this, but it felt really familiar.
3: Yes. Yes.
0: Caleb, what was your reaction to Star?
2: I love Star. (laughs) Um, I think one of the wonderful things about Star is we get to see this divide that she has in the switch and either version of her is so lovable. And uh, when you mentioned not having a lot of black uh, female protagonists, like that was one thing that I really loved about this book is she is lovable in all of her ways, even though she has this inner conflict and it makes it so that uh, she just like is your friend. Um, And then it helps those who don't have that experience, I'm guessing, extend into understanding this this code switching and this switching between being two different people. And that's something that I definitely understood. I had a very similar experience of being, you know, the only.
0: Caleb your uh, your phone line is breaking up on us just a little bit but we'll we'll talk more about code switching in just a moment why don't we um, reconnect Caleb's line and we'll probably get a a clearer connection here in just a moment uh, but let's talk about some of the other characters so star is at the heart of this novel she's got an older brother named seven she's got a younger brother named Sakani and her parents are a a loving couple they are very together. Her dad, Maverick, is a lot of people's favorite character, I I think, in the novel. In fact, Angie Thomas went on and she wrote a prequel all about Maverick because people were like, we need to know more about this guy. And Maverick has gone through a a really difficult childhood. He uh, was involved with a gang and he um, ended up going to jail for three years. He missed a, a big portion of his kid's life. Lives, and he is such a focused man he you know he he has rebuilt his life he has invested in his family he is trying to give his kids a better future but he also runs a grocery store in this neighborhood where they really really need a grocery store and he is so committed to living there and being there which is a source of conflict in his marriage but uh Sharita I know Maverick was a character that that really struck you what there are so many special things about this man but what what did you find that was so special about him
3: um i just enjoyed reading about big math um, (laughs) according as they called him in the book Um, as important as star is to the story I believe Maverick is kind of the underlying heart of the story because star wouldn't have the pride she has in being black without him even though she was wasn't always able to express it um, initially I just like the way Maverick kind of wove into a lot of stuff about the black power movement when he taught star the 10 points and he instilled pride in his kids. But even though he had a past that was kind of rough where he chose to be in a gang and different things like that, he knew when he was young that that's what he needed to do to survive where he lived that. But he also knew as he became an adult and a father that those things needed to change. So I thought it was real powerful how he was able to not only help Khalil and then later help Devante, but he was also able to kind of get the gangs to kind of help out with the situation and to kind of move together besides King, but the rest of them to move together for a positive reason to just kind of help combat some of that police violence and to initially protect star. He just kind of put me in the mind of, Black Panthers and Malcolm X and just how the strength that he had as a Black man and that he put that onto his kids and even the situation with him having a child with another woman, the way he handled that situation. I just think Maverick is the really good model of a Black male in today's society.
0: And he's also... I think these is also a tool that Angie Thomas uses to really help us understand uh, Black American culture in so many ways as well. I mean, I, I certainly learned a lot from his character, and of course, he's teaching his kids about the world at the same time. So, so it's pretty easy to to learn along uh, with him. Uh, what do you think about Maverick, Jane? Yeah, I think I I really agree with what
1: Sharita said about, you know, he he's going beyond that that stereotype of the black absent father. Um, I think I think in the beginning or, you know, earlier in his life, he might have occupied that, but he does more and goes beyond that. And I think we see that trope so much in, in various forms of media and it's so refreshing to see someone, to see a character, a male father figure go beyond that and overcome that.
0: Well, and he he has to work so hard to overcome exactly. that. He has definitely made um, very clear choices, but in spite of the very clear choices that he made, I mean, it still was not an easy journey exactly. for him to get to where he is. And I can understand why uh, why she decided that she wanted to write more about Maverick in another book as well. And uh, before we we kind of leave that core of the Star of Stars family, let's talk a little bit about Lisa, her mom, who also is, you know, just an incredible woman who is navigating this very difficult world. And uh, Sharita, Lisa is more conflicted about staying in the neighborhood. She wants to move out of the neighborhood for the sake of her kids. Um, Although she also is doing everything she can to invest in this neighborhood. I felt like uh, that that really told us so much, again, about um, her, but also about the, the challenges that people who live in these neighborhoods face.
3: Yes. A lot of times you want to be there because like both Lisa and her husband felt like they were the good people in the community. They were people who could possibly make changes. But then on the opposite side, Lisa has to see the hurt of her daughter, seeing two of her friends killed by gunfire right in front of her. And so as a mom, that's kind of, first of all, that's the scariest thing in the world (laughs) to even want to even think about. And so she's really conflicted where she wants to protect star. Even when she didn't want star to testify, she didn't want her to talk because she knew what type of backlash that would be. And just growing up in that area, she didn't know, is this going to happen to my daughter? What's going to happen? So I need to get her out of here. But then all these other kids also still need help and this community, still needs some people to not let it be overrun by gangs and violence. So it, it was a huge conflict for her. But I think in the end, they figured out it was best when Star did find her voice. Yeah. Um, I think everybody accepted that.
0: Well, and it's, uh, you know, we, we've talked a little bit about the different perspectives each of you bring to this mm-hmm. conversation with your lived experience. Of course, here I am, a, a 47-year-old white woman who's never lived in inner city anywhere. Um And that That storyline was one of the most edifying for me because it's easy as an outsider looking in to think about um, getting out of that neighborhood as really the key to success and and the key to making it. And yet, we also see the really beautiful things about this really tough neighborhood, the relationships that people have, you know, the neighbor who makes the very best cakes ever mm-hmm. and, you know, how people are there for each other and supporting each other and how it can be such a betrayal to leave and move on. I mean, Caleb, I know that's something you've given a lot of thought to.
2: Absolutely. Um, Cause yes, I grew up in, uh, what would have been, I guess, the ghetto of, of my town. Um, and my parents eventually like had the ability to move out. And the conversation was, what do you do uh, when you care about a community and you know these people? And these are real people. Uh, I think a lot of times the narrative from the outside is like, well, that's a bad place, so you'd want to get out of there. But when you start knowing the people and they are your friends and you hang out with them, uh, then it still becomes tricky to kind of wanna just break away from that or turn your back on that. And so uh, similarly, like my parents had to, we moved out of that neighborhood for the sake of the kids, right? For us to be in a different school. Uh, But at the same time, my parents stayed in the neighborhood uh, and kept property there and continued to go to, you know, community forums and whatnot, because if we leave, if the people who know the people in that area leave, then who's fighting for us, right? Who's caring about us? Um, And so it's, it's a heavy like burden where you become, um, you carry your community and you care about your community in a way that often uh, people outside of the area or the neighborhood don't understand. Uh, But you know those people, and so you love them.
0: Right. And well, and Uncle Carlos is a character who got out of the neighborhood, and uh, he grew up there. He is Lisa's brother, so the... Stars' mother's brother and he really was her father figure, uh Stars' father figure early in her life because her dad was in jail. And so Uncle Carlos lives in a nice house in the suburbs close to this private school and lives in the same neighborhood as a lot of Stars and Seven's friends in that neighborhood. He's also a police officer who's on the same force as the man who shot Khalil. So he's in such a an interesting position. And Caleb, I know that was a character that, that really stood out to you.
2: He really did, because I think Uncle Carlos is the biggest example of uh, going along with the gradual effect, the, the things that we're recommended to do as black people is, you know, go in the system and help and be better within the system. And yet we watch Uncle Carlos be a part of that system. And even when he's sitting at the dinner table with Um, his sister and his brother in law is like trying to figure out what Khalil did. He's asking, is Khalil a drug dealer, right? Like he even is falling into that trap because he's been in that system so long. And so it's really interesting to watch Uncle Carlos who came from that area, step out of that and then lose some of his insight, right? Lose some of the truth that he knows uh, because he was within a system that he was trying to to work within. Um, And so that just, he really fascinates me in that way because I think he's a clear example of like, falling trap of getting out and then forgetting uh, and needing to be reminded
0: well and he he really struggles with that and he's transparent about his struggle in the book feeling like he's been changed by this system that he's working within and at the end of the book we're we're left wondering what happens with him we don't know if he's going to go back to work mm-hmm. We are going to take another short break and uh, we will talk more about The Hate You Give by Angie Thomas in a moment. It is a young adult novel published in 2017 and it follows the story of Star Carter, a 16-year-old who witnesses one of her best friends killed at the hands of of a police officer. It's one of the most challenged or banned books in the United States. And Talk of Iowa listeners voted on it. They wanted to read The Hate You Give this summer, one of the banned books they wanted to read. And next month, we will be reading another banned book. We'll be reading The Absolutely True Diary of a Part-Time Indian by Sherman Alexie. We'll continue in just a moment with our expert readers, Jane Abraham, Sharita Stokes, and Caleb Rainey. This is Talk of Iowa. It's Talk of Iowa from Iowa Public Radio. This is the Talk of Iowa Book Club, and we have been reading The Hate You Give by Angie Thomas, published in 2017, a New York Times number 1 bestseller. It was turned into a major motion picture. It tells the story of Star Carter. She is 16 years old, a black girl living in a rough neighborhood. She goes to a private school out in the suburbs. She has a bright future and a close, tight-knit family, and she witnesses one of her best friends as he is killed by a police officer, and that, of course, transforms her life. It is a story inspired by real life, but it also gives readers the opportunity to really explore so much about culture in this country and also to to really empathize with characters that have a lot of different perspectives. With me talking about this book, I have three expert readers. Jane Abraham recently graduated from Pleasant Valley High School, where she was an award-winning student journalist and editor in chief of the school paper. She's headed to Stanford this fall. Sharita Stokes has been a teacher in the Waterloo Community School District for 22 years. She's also co-founder and curriculum director for the 1619 Freedom School. And Caleb Rainey, a poet, spoken word artist, educator, and activist. He writes and performs as the Negro artist, and has published two collections of poetry. And we've been talking about the characters in the book because I, I just think that that each one gives us so much insight into, um, well, into the world that we all live in. And I want to spend a little bit of time talking about Khalil, who is the young man who was killed by a police officer. And he and Starr were best friends when they were little, uh, Khalil's grandma took care of Star when she needed childcare as a youngster, and and she did it to be kind. They never paid her for that service. But Khalil's mom is a drug addict, and he is ha, he has a hard time trying to protect his family, take care of his family, and he also is constantly having his heart broken by his mom. And we know when we meet him that. He has probably started dealing drugs as a way to make money. And let's talk about this young man. Sharita, why don't you start us off? Because he is a-, a boy that's easy to dismiss. Oh, just another drug dealer from the hood. But obviously he's a-, a real person. And Angie Thomas does such a great job helping us get to know him.
3: Yes, Um I do feel like he's a product of his environment. Um, He just wants to take care of home. And I think with today, um, young men, I think it's easier to look at a young man selling drugs, not saying it's okay, but to look at them and say, oh, they're a thug. It, you know, they're bad people. that they, they never look at the root of the problem as to why is this young man, Why does he feel like? Why does he just go get a regular job? Why doesn't he go to work? Well, sometimes that's not the case when your mom is sick, you have little brothers and sisters, or you may even be in a situation where it just doesn't work that way. So I think... Um, she did a really good job of doing the quick backstory as to why when everybody thought he was just this bad, terrible <laughs> person. And he really wasn't.
0: Right. He was put into an um, impossible situation.
3: Yes. I think it's just I I think he was a pivotal character for the short time he was in there just as he kind of sets everything off. Yeah. Um He gets... kind of gets everybody either against or for and kind of restarts a movement as whenever this happens in America, it kind of rekindles the movement, Um, which is kind of sad in some aspects that it always has to be an incident that makes people come back to the, oh, we do need to fight for these rights or we do need to pay attention or we do need to find out what the root of the problem is, as opposed to just always trying to figure that out.
0: And when we meet Khalil, he's so engaging. Like he's he's funny, he is smart, he is cute. He, he's like all all yeah. good things. I mean, Jane, what were yeah. your thoughts about Khalil?
1: Yeah, um I think, you know, as you said, instantly he's he's a charming character and, you know, just as quickly he's he's gone. Um and I I think that's very stunning to the reader because you grow so close to him so quickly. Um, and then and then he's gone. Um, but what I do think is interesting, and this is something that Star highlights, is even though as the story progresses, we kind of gain more insight into why Khalil got into selling drugs and maybe more justification, um, even if he was a drug dealer, that that doesn't justify or warrant what happened to him. He doesn't deserve that just because he's a drug dealer. Um and I really, really love that, that 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 point was highlighted because, you know, maybe maybe to some readers, if, if he was just, you know, a just a drug dealer, you know, this this murder would have been some somehow justified. But it but it wouldn't have been.
0: It wouldn't have been at all. Yeah. Caleb, what do you think about Khalil?
2: Yeah, I think the word charming was perfect. Um, he's exactly charming. And I also love that. Um, they show his inner conflict, even in the short time that we have with him, right? He's, he's telling Star he's got to talk to Maverick, right? Because something is happening that he, he isn't okay with. And so there's this touch of um, touching on this concept of doing what you need to survive. And yet he still was able to be charming and he's still able to laugh and he still cared about people. And so there's this humanizing aspect of him that we really love, uh, whether he's a drug dealer or not.
0: Yeah, Well, and let's let's talk about the police violence in this novel. I mean, I've said it already a dozen times. This story could be taken directly from any number of headlines and was inspired by the stories of so many young black men who have been killed by police in this country, and he's pulled over in, in a car. Um, the, I think the reason was a taillight was out, at least that's what the officer said, and he wasn't speeding, he wasn't doing anything wrong, he wasn't armed, um, but he ends up dead at the end of this interaction. Caleb, how does that scenario read for you?
2: Ooh, it's a hard, it's a hard situation, especially with Star as the narrator, and you're hearing her say, "Here are the rules," right? And talking about this conversation she had growing up with her, uh, her dad, and the same conversation that I had with my family of, "What do you do when the police stop you? How do you deal with this?" Because we know how much violence is right on the edge there, no matter what it is that you do. And so it's really hard to read because there are rules that Khalil is breaking, but at the same time, these aren't. He's not breaking them to be dangerous, to be aggressive, to be a threat in any way. He's leaning over to ask his friend, are you okay?" And that's reason enough to get shot. And there's so much anger that happens when I read that scene, so much frustration, but not at Khalil, which is where Star kind of pushes it for a second, but at the officer for how how dare he go with that reaction when it just is unwarranted.
0: Yeah, Jane, what was your uh, reaction to that scene?
1: Yeah, it was it was definitely um, heartbreaking and also having read, you know, the book for a second time this time around, it 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 still had that same that same jarring, you know, af- effect on me. Um, I think um, just just hearing it, as Caleb said, from from Star's perspective and kind of getting that play by play is just what makes it so real. Um, and while while it is shocking what happens, it's it's real and it does happen. Um, and, and it's it's definitely not it's shocking, but it's not surprising.
0: Yeah. Sharita, uh, I know you've taught in the Waterloo schools for 22 years. You have friends who've lost sons. You have students who've died. Uh, how, how did that feel to you to read that?
3: That's always hard to read, watch, or anything that involves a police shooting of a black male. It's almost like when star said, I can't breathe. It's like even reading it because you're visualizing it. And it brings back memories of me listening to my friends or finding out that my friend's sons were killed to gun violence. Um, It's just really hard. Um, It's just But it's one of those things that you have to know. It's kind of like the hard conversation that you have to have. And even her sitting there like, do what the police officer says, do what the police officer says, do what the police officer says. I have a 28-year-old son and a 26-year-old daughter. And both my kids know if they ever get pulled over for any reason, call me and put me on the speakerphone because I need to hear everything that's going on. And as a black parent, that's... It's just scary when I do get those calls when it's like, Mom, I just got pulled over. And it's like, you can't breathe. So then reading an incident that happens like that just reaffirms that I can't breathe when that phone call comes. Yeah.
0: Well, there, you know, I, I read this book uh, shortly after it came out because every guest that I had on our Talk of Iowa book's Shows said this is one of the best books of 2017 and you have to read it. So I I bought it and I read it and my teenage daughter read it and they're absolutely right. It was one of the best books of 2017. But then reading it again after the murder of George Floyd, there's another scene later in the novel that just struck me in a different way. And that's when Maverick, Star's dad, is um, questioned by police. And again, he's in a situation where he is not doing anything wrong, and he is put on the ground, and then the officer kneels on Maverick. And that that scene hit me really differently this time around. Caleb?
2: Yeah, uh, that's the scene that, that strikes my heart a lot. Um, it's, it's the, uh, not all it's violence in a different way. It's the power, right? The dominating of making Maverick, this man that we know is tender, get down on the ground. And it's an experience that I felt as a black man, uh, a moment of, of afterwards, Maverick is crying in the office, right? After this encounter and he's frustrated and he's angry. And I feel that for him because that is it's just being dominated and being uh, overpowered for no reason. It feels like a type of aggression that's hard to name that you end up internalizing and it creates so much frustration and anger and pain. Um, and, and it's, it's an experience that I know I've had and many other black men have had of just like feeling so small um, and, and not, not being able to change that.
0: And Maverick is stars rock. He's so strong and so powerful. And of course, she watches that happen to him and is shaken to her core once again. And I think we all felt that way. And Jane, you read this book in eighth grade. Mm -hmm. And of course, we know that that this is one of the most challenged, most banned books in the United States. There were challenges to this book in uh, Iowa just last year. And I followed those challenges pretty closely. The The main complaint was the uh, use of the F word in the book, which does appear throughout the book. Although if you've ever walk in, walked my, <laughs> through the hallways of a middle school, you'll probably hear that word used a number of times. So it's it's something that a lot of kids are pretty familiar with. When you think about people banning this book or challenging this book, trying to get it taken out of schools, what is your response to that?
1: I, I see that as as the easy way out of of acknowledging a a larger problem. it is it is difficult, you know, to read this book and and recognize that, you know this this stuff happens and it's real and it's affecting people. um And so, you know, it's it's easy to be disturbed by it and 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 to sort of like abject that um and and remove yourself from that. but, that's that's the easy thing to do. I, I think, you know, the the right thing to do, the just thing to do, and you know, often the more difficult thing to do is to actually face it and say, What what can we do then? What what can we do to actually resolve this problem instead of, you know, put it in a box and throw it away. You know, I, I think it, it does need to be faced and because, you know, the point of this story is so upfront, it's so it's just put out there, you know, bare for you to see it, you, you can't ignore it.
0: Yeah. Well, in the the book, one of the geniuses of the book is that although she wrote it in Jackson, Mississippi, it feels like it could take place anywhere. I I had my own assumptions about where it was. I didn't know she was writing in Jackson, Mississippi <laughs> when I read it. And I think a lot of people are like, well, that's L.A. That's Chicago. That's yep. you know, that's that's my town. That's where I live. Uh, we only have a couple of minutes left. But Sharita, uh, I'll let I'll let you go first here. Why do you think people should read this book?
3: Um, people should read this book because it gives a perspective from a young girl and her telling what happened. And because it's so heartfelt and because it's so detailed, I think the overall book gives an understanding to anybody across color lines about what that type of situation brings to a person internally, externally and in the neighborhood and throughout the world.
0: Well, and you mentioned across color lines. I think it's also important to to mention across age lines. I mean, you and I both came to this book a lot later than Jane (laughs) and a little later than Caleb. But, I mean, it's a young adult novel, but that feels pretty essential for anybody to read, doesn't it?
3: Yes, yes.
0: Caleb, why do you think everybody should read this book?
3: I think it gives complete
2: like almost comprehensive insight into the situation in a way that you can know all the complications that come with these conversations around police violence, code switching, activism, all of those things. It brings humanity, but it also brings the layer of nuance that's required when having these conversations. Uh, Everyone has complicated views and has to be challenged by them. And even just in that act, reading a book that you watch characters be challenged is helpful for you as a reader.
0: Yeah. And I I am struck just thinking back over the book. It, it's such a fast read. You can get through it so quickly. It's so compelling. And then I think about all the different things that happen and all the things you learn about every character. I almost can't believe that all of that was fit into this one novel. Um, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> Jane. Why Why do you think people should read this book? And ha- have you recommended it to any friends? Oh yes, definitely. Yeah. No, I, I I implore people to read this book.
1: Um, I I think you know if if you're disturbed by the things that you see on social media, the things that you read, the things that you watch on TV, I I think that you should do the work by reading. This book and and books like this one, um, reading black authors and, and gaining insight to experiences similar to yours, different to yours, but I above everything to do the work by reading this book.
0: Well, and you read it again five years after you read it the first time. You found that to be a pretty powerful experience Mm -hmm. to come back to it having changed yourself. So maybe this is a book to read, but also reread. Definitely.
1: Um, I think it can apply differently in your life, Um, maybe depending on things that have happened to you, but also things that have happened around you.
0: Jane Abraham, thank you so much. Thank you. Jane Abraham recently graduated from Pleasant Valley High School. She's headed to Stanford in the fall. Sharita Stokes, thank you. Thank you. Sharita Stokes is a teacher in the Waterloo Community School District and co-founder of the 1619 Freedom School. And Caleb, thank you.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Caleb Rainey is a poet, spoken word artist, educator, and activist. He performs as the Negro artist. This is Talk of Iowa from IPR News. I'm Charity Nebbe.